Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome back to another edition of Revolution Recap. I'm Sean Donahue, joined today by Greg Johnstone and Chris Lucas. Greg, how you doing? Uh, I'm hanging in there. Uh, we just had a great interview with Brandon By, so it was really exciting to talk to him. I think he's been on my uh, list of players to interview for a long, long time, and I think it lived up to the hype. <laughs> yeah, not, not too much uh, Rev's news of note since the last podcast, so we're excited to be able to get Brandon By on for this episode with an interview with him. But uh, you know, before we jump to that interview, Chris, how, how are things going for you? Going good over here as well. I'm just uh, sitting around waiting for the revs to drop that new kit. Um, I don't know. I'm a big kit guy, and I'm waiting for that to come out. Yeah, I feel like the revs have teased us with some uh, some news with that with that tweet of like the jersey that we didn't. People speculated whether I mean a Carlos Heel resigning or New Jersey drop or or whatever it was. But uh, unfortunately, we don't have any of that to talk to you about today. Fortunately, we have a good interview with Brandon By, and we'll play that one for you now. Joining us now on the podcast is New England Revolution defender Brandon By, the number eight overall draft pick back in 2018. Brandon, you're now entering your fourth season with the Revolution. How's this offseason been? Um, obviously, a bit of a delayed start um, with some of the CBA negotiations and other things going on. Has that been a negative, or do you think it's kind of been a relief after kind of the craziness of 2020? Um, I would say I would say a little bit of relief, but I think I think you know me myself um, and and quite a few of the guys have been in for you know a couple weeks now. You know, doing some training on our own uh, in the weight room and and playing a little bit. So I think we'll be uh, we'll be off to uh, to a good start. Um, I'm not sure what other teams in the league are doing, but you know we've been we've been getting effort for a couple of weeks now. So um, obviously all unofficial stuff, but um, you know doing that. So I think we're uh, we're in a good spot right now. And and Brandon, you had a hamstring injury late last year uh, during the playoffs, which obviously limited the minutes that you were able to get. Um, your first week back now. How is the hamstring feeling, and how are you doing overall? Uh, feeling good. Um, yeah, obviously the, the off season was nice to uh, to relax and recover the body after you know a crazy crazy year. Obviously, you know I think that wears and tears on a lot of guys' bodies. So I'm definitely happy with the uh, the off season. You know, time to time to rest and really recoup, um, and you know, ready to go for the season. Uh, and then after the playoff run, of course, is there a different feeling entering the season uh, with higher expectations for the team? Um, I, I would say a little bit, um, you know, obviously we, we performed well last year into the, into the, the late stages of the year. So I think, I think anytime that happens, um, you know, the team's ready to, to keep pushing forward and, and, you know, strive for more. Yeah. And then I got to acknowledge, uh, Carly's heel as well on the team of played really, really well. Once Carly's heel came back from his injury, uh, what is it about Carly's that's, you know, makes him so important to the team? Uh, I think, you know, he, he just brings everybody together. Um, you know he's able to uh, to get on the ball and, and really run the show. You know he's he's our he's our Tom Brady out there. You know he's running the show and being the playmaker. So uh, I think it's always it's always nice for him to uh, to be on the field whenever whenever he can. Um, you know I think it just makes everybody better, elevates everybody else's game. And the the team made a number of new signings in the off season. I know some of them have started reporting this week. Have you met any of them yet? Have any of them impressed you early on in training? Or is there any of these guys that you're excited about playing with? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'd say everybody. Um, obviously, everybody's everybody's coming here, and we're, we're signing for a reason. Um, you know, I think I've, I've met Wilford now um, for a couple of days. Uh, you know, it's been good to to talk to him a little bit, and you know, 
see and hear about his background. So, no, I think everything uh, everything's good. Everything's leading um, toward a good preseason. Kind of had a, a weird season last year where you didn't get to play every team in the league. Um, the, the 2021 schedule hasn't been released yet, but are there any matchups that you're looking forward to or uh, kind of hoping to, to get to see this year? <laughs> Honestly, just to play everybody. Um, you know, obviously, it was, it was pretty weird last year, you know, playing – certain teams multiple, multiple times and not playing certain teams at all um, in your conference. So I thought that was a little weird. But, uh, yeah, I mean, just seeing seeing the matchups with, with new teams and the likes of, you know, Miami and, and having, you know, Austin coming in this year and, you know, some of the West Coast trips that we weren't able to take last year. During your absence last season um, with the hamstring injury towards the end of the year, it seemed like Tejan Buchanan stepped up and, and did a good job at right back. Do you feel like there's sort of a competition going into this preseason for the right back spot? Oh, uh, for sure. I mean, I think I think anytime you know, obviously you guys saw Tejan play really well back there. Um, you know, and I think I think there's always competition. There's never there's never any any positions on the field that are really set in stone. So there's always competition and, you know, competition is good. That makes, that makes everybody stronger and, you know, a better team, you know, when the, when the games really matter. Brandon, switching gears, uh, whenever we have a guest on the podcast who went through the Super Draft, we like to get their Super Draft story and what the process was like for them. Um, as Sean mentioned, you were selected eighth overall in 2018. Some mock drafts, um, you know, had you going later in the first round. I don't think any of them had them going. Had you going to the New England Revolution. What was your Super Draft experience like? Did you think you were going to end up in New England, or were you thinking you were going somewhere else that day? Yeah, I, it's, honestly, it's great memories. Um, you know, I had I had absolutely no idea I was going to New England. Um, you know, when when you go through the draft and you go through the combine, it's really interesting because you know you, you go through the four days of the combine, which obviously doesn't even happen now, so it's kind of sad. Um, but you know, the, the four or five days of, of games and training of, of the combine, and you meet with teams as well. So you say you, you get a phone call or a text from you know from whoever it would be um, that wants to meet with you. I think I met with six or eight teams. Um, you know, just a little sit down and, and, you know, meeting and meet the coaches and whatnot. Um, you know, I met with New England and, you know, I, I, I looked up everybody's draft picks, uh, you know, that, that I had meetings with and they were all like draft picks between, you know, 15 and 22 or 23. And so I'm thinking, you know, I'm probably going to go somewhere in there. And then New England meets with me and their, their picks, I think, what was it? It was eight and nine. Um, and so I'm like, ah, you know, I'm not going to go there, but whatever. Um, you know, obviously I'm going to meet with them and, and, and see them. Um, and then obviously on the day, you know, I was, I was happy to, happy to have my family, um, there with me, my sisters, um, and my, my sisters, uh, now husband, um, and my mom and dad, and they're all there. Um, yeah, it was, it was a crazy experience, you know, obviously hearing, you know, from Western Michigan after the number eight, John Dover says it, and it's pretty surprising, honestly, but, you know, I was very excited. Um, you know, those are, those are dreams that you, you have since you're a little kid of, you know, playing professional soccer. That's stuff that you write when you're first grade, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up on professional soccer? But, uh, um, you know, and those are, those are those dreams and aspirations you have when you're a little kid. So for that to, to turn into a reality that, that day in the draft, um, was obviously a big moment for me and a, and a um, a long time coming, but, you know, I was, I was just extremely happy with the, uh, the situation and, and happy that I was, I was able to be picked. Yeah, that's awesome. And you had, you had no idea they were calling you. I mean, we, we talked to Henry Kessler last year, and he said that Bruce Arena said he wasn't going past six. I mean, 
Mike Burns or Brad Friedel didn't tell you at all. They were thinking about taking you there. You you had no idea that when when the pit, the pit came up, uh, it was going to be you. I had absolutely. I had no idea. Um, I really, I really had no idea. It was, it was that much of a shock to me that it, that you know it happened. I was, I was yeah. I, <laughs> I was, I was one hundred percent surprised. There's, there's no, there's no faking that. That's for sure. Brandon, I also have to ask, being the eighth pick uh, in the 2018 Super Draft, technically, you, you were ta- you were the pick you were selected with was the pick that was traded for Charlie Davies. Um, so, in a weird way, the Revs traded for you, traded Charlie Davies for you. Um, has that ever come up with between you and Charlie? Like, have you ever gone up to Charlie and been like, "Man, what a lopsided deal for the Revs! Like, they won that easily or anything like that?" No, I actually didn't know that. That's a, that's a funny fact. Um... No, I'll I'll make sure I bring that up sometime then. Do it. No, I haven't I haven't heard of that one. Uh, <laughs> but no, me and Charlie had plenty of conversations. That one hasn't came up, so maybe I'll bring it up next time. Yeah, Charlie Davis is kind of the gift that keeps on giving for New England. Uh, you know, still contributing <laughs> to the team years later. Real, real quick too. Um, you know, you had a very impressive rookie year. Twenty four appearances, sixteen starts. Did you think you would have that big of an impact your rookie year? We don't see a lot of rookies kind of, you know, jump into the starting lineup like you did. And also, was it difficult converting from a winger to outside back in your first season? Um, yeah, so to start with that one, I guess I, I don't I didn't think it was very difficult to, to convert uh, because, you know, when I was in college at Western Michigan, you know, I was I was taught to play offense and defense and, you know, you uh you had to play both sides of the ball. There was nobody that that, you know, was just allowed to, you know, hang out on top and, and relax. Um, you know, we pressed and, and played defense as well. So it was, it was, um, it was not that big of a deal to me. It was not that big of a, a switch. Um, and I kind of knew I'd, you know, potentially fall into that, into that um, role, you know, moving into, into MLS. Um, but then, you know, you know, just the amount of playing time and stuff like that, I think, I think it was, uh, you know, Brad Friedel, obviously, you know, pushing us and, and going into preseason and really he, he, he just explained point and simple that, you know, if you work hard and you play um, hard in practice and you perform in practice, then, you know, you, you have a chance to play on the weekend. And that was a big thing for me, you know, knowing that, you know, there's a lot of guys with a lot of experience in the locker room, but, you know, if I show up and work, work hard every day, then, you know, I'll have a, I'll have a chance. So that was, that was a big deal for me. Um, and then obviously him trusting me more and more throughout the season, I ended up playing, having a lot of left back throughout the end of the year. So, um, yeah, no, it was, it was uh, obviously all good experience and and uh, something I'll, I'll, I'll keep with me. Yeah, is there any other uh, tidbits and stuff that you've learned along the way that maybe you didn't quite know as a rookie that you wish you'd had? Um, not too much. I mean, I I think the the whole the whole thing of being a pro keeps keeps evolving over the years. You know, every year you learn something new. You know, little little tips and tricks and you know how to take care of your body, how to how to rest when you know, have an off day or something like that. Simple, simple stuff like that. But I think it all, uh, it all just, you know, piles on throughout the year and throughout the years of, of you learning and, and trying to figure out, you know, what I need to do to be the best professional I can. Well, and then uh, your rookie year was also the first year that Matt Turner was named starter in net. Uh, can you speak to how he's grown specifically and then maybe how he's impacted the back line and everything? Yeah. I mean, he's, he's, grown tremendously obviously you guys everybody knows that you know i think i think we knew back then too that, that turner was a was a gym um mm. you know and, and and i think we we all knew that and saw that you know day in day out in training um and now everybody's starting to realize that you know obviously at the national team level and 
and you know, obviously he's getting attraction from from a lot of different places. So I think I think everybody knows knows that. But you know, I mean, we were seeing these things for for years and years, um, you know, in training and, and in you know in spurts in the game. So nothing nothing too much of a surprise to uh, to some of the guys close to him for sure. And you had a very unique experience with the the bubble situation last summer. How was that experience? And do you have any good stories from that? Um, the bubble, I mean, not too many crazy stories or anything like that. Um, no, it was, it was a good experience. I think, I think it wasn't, uh, it wasn't, uh, anything too unbearable. Like some people may have, may have played it out to be, uh, you know, obviously I don't have a family or anything like that. So I can't speak to family or kids, so I can't speak to, you know, getting away from them for, for, you know, a month at a time. So that's, that's something that I didn't have to worry about as much that, you know, I know other players did. But yeah, I mean, I felt like it was almost, it was almost a long road trip, um, a month road trip that it felt like, you know, and, and, you know, our first, I think our first week was, was just training. So that was, you know, getting acclimated to the weather. Uh, but then once the game started, it was, you know, a game every, well, I think we played every six days or average around six days or five days or whatever it was. So it was just games, there are games and games. So it wasn't really too much to, um, to think about, you're just thinking about the next game and the next opportunity, and that's that's how it went. So that was that was about that. But no, I mean the, the bubble was uh, bubble was interesting for sure. But um, I got good memories of it. And you've been with the Revs uh, three seasons now, and kind of split that fifty-fifty between Brad Friedel and and Bruce Arena. Uh, how do you compare their two coaching styles, and kind of how has your experience been different um, between the two coaches? Um. I think they're they're obviously two you know pretty different coaches, but you know both have their both have their positives. Um, you know, I, I think I think you know the the way that you know the playoffs go, and and and, and Bruce obviously has a lot of experience in the playoffs, but you know he knows what buttons to push at the right times, and and that's you know maybe pushes through and into those into those later on games. And you know I think obviously you have to give a big credit to the to the players that are that are on the field because. At the end of the day, we're doing the job, and and you know a lot of big guys stepped up in big big moments for for us. So that was very important. But no, obviously it's just it's just learning, and and you know with both staffs, not just the head coaches, but both staffs have, have, have changed. Um, and we're just trying to to take as much from from those coaches as possible, and, and understand what they're they're trying to get through to to the players, and and at the end of the day, get get out on the field and, and perform. Brandon, we also want to talk about some things off the field. Uh, we want to talk to you about Black Players for Change, which you were a member of, uh, which was formed last summer. Um, can you talk about the impact Black Players for Change has had on you uh, and around the league in MLS? Yeah, I think um, you know Black Players for Change was was something that you know came to be once you know we kept seeing these, these things happening in the, in the world, and you know I was, I was very happy to to be a part of it um, from the start. Um, you know when when you know those original guys you know sh- you know reached out to different players across the league and you know asked if you want to be a part of it um you know but i think i think the change is is, is you know an ongoing thing you know you know in, in influencing local communities and and doing you know different things and, and getting representation you know within the league within mls i think that's those are the, the really main important um you know you know things that we're trying to push for and and just uh, just keep you know progressing and moving forward of the, of the game. We also wanted to highlight some of your nonprofit work that you've done and your involvement with the Aspiris Foundation, which uh, you co-founded uh, during your time at Western Michigan. Um, can you give us some background about that charity and how it got started? 
Yeah. Um, you know, back in, you know, 2016 when I was, you know, at Western Michigan University, um, I met, um, you know, a good friend of, you know, Federico Tavares, uh, he's a co-founder as well. Um, and, you know, we, we ran a clothing drive, um, in that, that spring in 2016 and, and I ended up working out really well. Was happy with the, uh, we were happy with the clothing drive, um, for soccer kids clothing, um, and, and soccer gear. Um, to donate to the Dominican Republic because he's he's from there and, and has seen you know the uh, the not so good um, environments that some of these kids are growing up in and and you know he wanted to to give back in that way and I said you know that'd be that's that's an easy one for me I can you know contact some local coaches you know from around Kalamazoo where I'm from and and help out with that um, you know and, and and so the the coding drive you know went really well and then all of a sudden we. And, you know, Federico decided to, you know, push this thing on farther and from just a one-time clothing drive to a, to a nonprofit. And he asked me if, you know, I want to be involved in that. I was, uh, I was hundred percent for it. And so, you know, that was when that Spears Foundation was, was born. Um, you know, we have a great board, um, you know, a U.S. board and a Dominican board, um, you know, working, you know, so, so we can, you know, have these, um, you know, clinics, um, different kind of summer camps, uh, Spears Cups. Um, reaching dreams in Nagua is actually something that we're really working on now is, is basically, you know, an ongoing, um, you know, training for, for these kids, um, you know, so they can have something, you know, to do, you know, not just a one-time clinic, but, you know, something that's an ongoing, ongoing, um, you know, training for them to, to keep, uh, you know, have them have something to do, you know, and have something to, to look forward to and express themselves outside of, outside of just, you know, hanging out and, you know, doing whatever they're doing um, on a day-to-day basis. So that's, that's something we're really working on now. Um, you know, I'm, I'm happy to, uh, to say that there's, there's big things coming and, you know, I'm excited to, to see what, what it evolves into. Yeah. It's really incredible work, Brandon. And, you know, you deserve uh, a lot of applause for, for, you know, establishing that foundation. Um, if any of our listeners wanted to get involved, how, how could they help you? Um, there is, Aspirus, um, www.aspirusfoundation.org, um, uh, is our website and there's, you know, donation buttons and, you know, just re- you can, you can just read up on it. Um, I think it's important to, to read about what exactly is going on before, you know, there's any donations. So I'd, I would love anybody to just, you know, check that out, reach out, um, in any ways. I think there's a couple of email contacts on, on that website as well. If you want to reach out and ask more questions, but, um, you know, I think there's there's a lot of good things going on, and I think there will be a um, you know fundraiser throughout the year um, with with the revolution and, and spirits to uh, to donate as well. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna talk too much about that because that's you know something coming out in the future, but um, you know in, in the in the near future. So look out for that. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see what what that uh, what that holds um, throughout the season. All right, so Brennan, before we get into the last question that we have, I wanted to see if you're up for a segment that we're going to call Extra Time. Uh, we're going to put one minute on the clock and run through a list of rapid-fire questions just to get to know you better. Are you game for that? Yeah, absolutely. Let's hear it. All right, awesome. Clock will start after the first question, and you can skip if you need. Uh, growing up, who was your sports idol? Um, I would say a combination of Tiger Woods, Michael Jordan, and... Um, yeah. Oh, and Tory Hunter. 
we'll throw that one in there too. Excellent, excellent. Uh, what's your pregame meal? Um, usually either Subway or just pasta and chicken. <laughs> uh, favorite non-MLS soccer club? Um, let's go with Chelsea. Toughest winger you've ever had to defend? Um, Carlos Vela, probably. Do you have any superstitions? Uh, no. Penalty shootout, you go first or you go fifth? Um, ooh, first. Who's the best FIFA player on the team? Best FIFA player on the team? I think Tejan's pretty good at FIFA. Uh, favorite non-soccer sports team? Um, Minnesota Vikings. Awesome. That's time. Thank you. I, I just want to butt in real quick and just say that Tory Hunter always found his way on uh, my fantasy baseball teams. And so I, I just want to say, like, we, you know, I love Tory Hunter. He's the man. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I had plenty of Tory Hunter jerseys growing up, number 48. My guy. Well, thanks so much for your time, Brandon. Before we let you go, we just wanted to ask you one last question. Uh, what would you say has been your best experience as a soccer player so far in your career? Um, best experience, um, you know, I would say it's got to be in between, you know, this win in Orlando um, last year, uh, you know, in playoffs and beating them at their own home field. Um, and that, that game was awesome. Um, and then I would say also um, the New York City game, my uh, second year, I think it was our last game of the season at home. And we needed to we needed to win to clinch playoffs, and I think that was the end of a three game week, um, and it was like a Sunday afternoon game or Sunday evening game, and we we beat them at our place and it was two zero, um, but that was an awesome game too, and it was just like a it was a must win, and, and and we won it in in dramatic fashion, so it was awesome. Yeah, two two really exciting moments in recent Revs history. Well, Brandon, thanks a lot for your time today. We really appreciate it. Uh, good luck this season and keep up the great work with all your contributions off the field. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. And that was Brandon By, the New England Revolution defender, entering his fourth season with the Revolution. It's, it's hard to believe he's already been here four years. Um, but, you know, guy that stepped right into the starting lineup for the Revs as a rookie and has made a big impact. Uh, again, we appreciate his time on the show. Greg, any thoughts on that interview? Uh, well, first off, I, I'm a big Tory Hunter fan, too. I was telling you guys uh, during the break that Tory Hunter is like my favorite non-Red Sox player uh, of all time. And so I was very hyped uh, when Brandon Bay threw out a Tory Hunter reference during there. But um, no, great interview overall. I was really excited to have him on the podcast. Uh, just a note to our listeners, um, we'll provide a link to Brandon Bay's uh, nonprofit, the Asperis Foundation, um, in our show notes. And also, if you're interested in learning more, we didn't have a ton of time with Brandon today, but um, Brandon Bay was... Uh, did an interview with Jaleel Annie Baba uh, on the Black Players for Change Instagram earlier this week, uh, where he talks a lot more about uh, you know Black Players for Change uh, and the Asparis Foundation. So uh, if you're interested in more information, uh, please go check out the website and please also uh, go check out the interview uh, that he did with Jaleel Annie Baba uh, on Instagram. And I also actually, before I get going too, uh, we should also mention that the Revolution are doing their Touches for Change fundraiser uh, this week. Uh, they are raising money for the Boston Centers for Youth and Families. Uh, so please check that out as well. Yeah, the the uh, lack of soccer news gives us an opportunity to talk about some of the good things the Revs are doing off the field. So uh, I appreciate taking the time to do that. Um, you know, qu quickly before we wrap up, the one thing we didn't really talk about with Brandon Bias because he ran out of time was was just how much he's improved um, in his three seasons with the Revs as far as one-on-one -on -one defending and, and aerial duels. I think he was a guy that, uh, you know, 
as a converted winger, a lot of us expected to to provide a lot on the offensive end. Um, but maybe the defensive end would be the weakness. But, uh, you know, especially in the past season um, and the accolades he was getting during the MLS's back tournament for his defending. Um, you know, Chris, any, any thoughts on that before we, we close out on just the, the improvement we've seen from from Brandon by over the last three years and those two positions, those two areas in particular? I don't have specific thoughts, I guess, on it, but it's it, it has been uh, obviously noted and uh, something I definitely did not see uh, or, you know, think was necessarily going to be the way that it went because he came in as a winger, um, not knowing that he was going to be such a defensive asset and uh, just watching how he has progressed and how he has, you know, handled himself and matured uh, in his three seasons with the team. Uh, it's just been a delight to to see him in, in blue. I, I think... I think long term, I mean, I wouldn't be opposed to him converting to center back over time because, as you said, his defensive skills have gotten better and he's so good at aerials that even if Taeyeon Buchanan, um, you know, turns out to be the right back, uh, which, you know, obviously Taeyeon impressed last year a little bit too, I'm not opposed to trying out Brandon by in kind of the center of the field, uh, considering how much depth they lack uh, at this point. Yeah, I, th- I think going into this offseason, there's, you know, a lot of positions that you can kind of pencil in, um, you know, who you expect to see or even pen in who you expect to see starting this regular season. But one of the, the competitions that I know I'll be paying a close attention to is the, the fullback spot, because I think there is going to be a competition between Brandon Bayan and, and Tejan Buchanan at that right back spot. And if Christian Moffla ends up being the the starting left back this season, if he stays healthy and and, and that takes that role, um, we did see Dewan Jones get some time at right back last year, too. So, you know. Brandon by, I think when the last year with as the kind of locked on starter, and then we, you know, we saw some other guys get some minutes and, and do well. So that'll be, you know, one area that um, I look forward to watching in this off season, how that develops. Um, but it, unless anyone has any final thoughts, I think that's it for today's show. Uh, you know, hopefully the revolution will give us some good news to talk about uh, soon or, or some new signings or something um, that make it worth doing a, another podcast. But if not, maybe we'll come back to you and, and try to get another player interview uh, next. No, no uh, set date for the next show, but we'll keep you posted. Uh, Greg, can you tell everyone where they can follow us on social media so they'll know when the next show is? Uh, yeah, please follow us at Revolution Recap on Twitter. Also follow our Revolution Recap page on Facebook. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll stay active on those platforms and let you guys know when our next uh, podcast is coming out. And please remember, in the meantime, remember to rate and review us on iTunes or wherever you're listening. And Chris, where can people follow you? Yeah, you can find me uh, on Twitter at Revs Revolt. I'm also uh, on Instagram and Facebook with the same handle. And you can find me at Sean L. Donahue on Twitter. And thanks again for everyone for listening.